welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. Well, if we haven't met, my name's Josh, and it is a privilege for me to minister this morning. I serve on the pastoral team here in Grace Life, and perhaps you haven't been to a church service before. Kick back, relax, and our prayer is that in some way you would get to experience this. We're all here to worship Jesus and tell each other how good He is. And there are plenty of things happening around our church community, not just this week, but in the weeks to come. But I want you to know something. He is real and He's good. I promise you that. Uh, Pete, I'm noticing you are chomping at the bit. He wants to say something. Pete needs to say something. Ladies and gentlemen, share a little bit about Christmas. Hey, everyone. Uh, just a reminder about the um, uh, uh, community Christmas presents for children in care. Um, we've got someone uh, in the foyer at the table after the service. We had a good response last week. We've only got three weeks left to get either donations or... Uh, yeah, we, yeah we, we got $1,000 last week, so it was really awesome. Thank you, everyone. Uh, we... We've so far bought about 20 presents or um, supply presents for 20 children. Um, we've put our hand up for 100. So we've still got a f- um, So um, I'm just here to remind you that this is an awesome program for kids in foster care that don't have a real family this Christmas. And the department obviously takes care of and puts a roof over their head. But um, when it comes to birthdays and Christmases, that's, that's not on their radar. So they reach out to the community and... Last year we, we sponsored a lot of kids and we um, just encouraging you guys to give a thought to those kids that don't when you were little and that uh, so there's a lot of kids out there missing out. Uh, as an example, there's Jennifer, she's eight. Uh, she's asked for some board games. Um, Charles, who's 13, he actually has autism but has asked for some arts and crafts. Um, Seth, a 15-year-old boy who has an intellectual disability, has just asked for chalks and paints and craft stuff. So there's a lot of kids in need that just don't have it as good as everyone else. And some of the requests are really simple. Also, a lot of teenagers in care that uh, are missing out um, and ask things like a hair voucher, you know. And we just want to be able to give them the opportunity to get a proper haircut. You know, that's all they want. They want to go to a hairdresser and, and get a nice hairdo. And they've asked that as a Christmas present. So we're trying to raise a little bit more money this year to help provide a little bit more for some of those kids that are missing out. Um, we are hampers as well. Uh, we'll start collecting for hampers next week. Um, but for now, our focus is these kids. Um, we've got a short time frame to get it all together and be able to get the presents to the department so they can distribute it to the kids in time for Christmas. So thank you, everyone, for your response so far. We've still got three weeks to go. And we really want to help all these kids out. Thank you. Thanks, mate. That's good. He's doing a really good job there, Pete and Jody and Julie. Absolute champions. Um, I wanted to share uh, a story about a scientist that did an experiment. Um, this may or may not be true. <laughs> there was a scientist that, that decided to do an experiment by getting a, a big cage. And in that cage, he wanted to see if he could get a cat and a dog to coexist really well. And so he had a cage, it was about, um, about four metres by four metres. 
And he put a dog and a cat in there, and lo and behold, they got along just fine. I mean, initially, they were a bit standoffant to get along together, and the scientists thought, wow, this is pretty cool. I wonder if I can incorporate some, some more animals into the cage. So he threw in a pig, a goat, and a little rat. And after, after a few adjustments, have a guess what? They, they got along well together, yes. They, they, in in such, a, such a small, relatively small size pen, the scientist thought, really push this. So he decided to empty the pen out, and then so he then put in a Baptist, a Catholic, and a Pentecostal. They didn't last a day. They did not last a day. <laughs> what is it about us Christians that feels the need to look at what differentiates us greater than the person that unites us? What is that? We're friends, are we? Not anymore. <laughs> Let's be real here. What is it about us that as soon as we're introduced to another Christian or a believer, our first question is, oh, so um, what church are you part of? Or, or, or are you a Baptist? Or are you a Catholic? What is that within us that wants us to try and label someone else in the family of God? I get, I totally get that what we want to do is we want to gain some con for how we can connect with other people. Okay, that's totally understandable. But I wonder if the motivation of our heart at times, maybe no one in this room, maybe it's all the other Christians out there somewhere, that what, what we can sometimes do is try and gauge our success or how good we are based on our judgment or scrutiny of other people. I've lost you. It's gone real quiet. I can hear a pin drop all of a sudden. There is powerful about gathering, gathering around the person and the presence of Jesus. In this series, we're calling Why Church? Why does the church exist? How does it function? What, what, what can we learn about the church in this current season? We need to understand something first and foremost. It's Jesus' church. And he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Which means no matter the church is faced against, it's going to succeed so long as we are around Jesus. As long as we're looking to Jesus. And the church has withstood the test of time for a couple of millennia now. It has been under a heck of a lot of pressure, oppression, even execution. But the church now is incredibly strong because we're good, but because Jesus is on the throne. Um, unity in God's family, in God's church, is a key reason for him to bless. Unity commands a blessing. If you've got your swords, pull it out. Psalm 133. We're going to read the whole chapter. Oh, it's a big chapter. And when you... Leave today, you can feel whole chapter today. Psalm 100, it's only three verses. <laughs> oh, is that what he's talking about? Psalm 133. David writes, Behold how good and pleasant it is. Oh! Talk about unity and the Holy Spirit comes. 
We've got to sort that out. Some of you at the back can't hear how loud it really is. I tell you right now, I'm back again. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell in unity. It's like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing evermore. There is a strong connection there between unity and God commanding a blessing. If you want blessing in your life, may there be unity there. This is what it says, Eugene Peterson says this in the message. How wonderful, how beautiful when brothers and sisters get along. Could sound a bit overly simplistic, but there is an element of truth there. Unity is not just showing up. It's like costly anointing oil flowing down head and beard, flowing down Aaron's beard, flowing down the collar of his priestly robes. It's like the dew on Mount Hermon flowing down the slopes of Zion. Yes, that's where God commands the blessing, ordains eternal life. Unity is not the same as uniformity. Unity are the same, we look the same, we smell the same, we dress the same. It's so much more than that. In fact, through our diversity, unity can be well experienced. Sometimes, as you would have heard me say a couple of weeks ago, sometimes we've got to fight for unity. That might sound like a bit of a conundrum, but it takes energy and effort at times for unity to develop. Now, unity, biblical unity, godly unity is not human, cannot be rooted in our own efforts. True unity involves God. True unity is surrounded around the person of Jesus. It's Christ-centered, not man-centered. So how does unity deepen? Well, we look to Jesus. There was a philosopher named, I hope that's somewhat right. Is that, is that right? Where's so it? you got a bit of German in here. Schopenhauer. Gesundheit. Nein. <laughs> Do you know German, mate? Schopenhauer. Thank you, Reverend. And he writes, comparing the human race to porcupines. <laughs> Bear with me. He says that the human race is like porcupines. When it gets cold, we are required to work together and get closer to one another as we keep each other warm. But the closer we get together, the more our spikes hurt each other. Isn't that such an interesting picture for us? So he goes on to say that as porcupines, we work together... We come closer to one another, but in doing so, what we do, says this philosopher, is that we separate ourselves, and when it gets cold, and when we're isolated in that cold, we end up withering and dying. 
But the beauty is that when we're surrounded as believers around Jesus, the spikes of us as porcupines, they don't have the same sting, presence, and His power that moves us toward a disposition of love, grace, forgiveness. So that in this room right now, some of, some of you may not like other people in this room. Well, what unity and oneness does is it causes us to get involved with each other. Showing up is good, but life on life is better. One great reason why, only reason, but one great reason why believers like to go to church communities where they just clock in and clock out on a Sunday is because we don't like to deal with other people. Hello? Because we're like porcupines. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking to you, Mr. Porcupine, Miss Porcupine. But we got to remember the key figure in biblical unity is not you or me, it's Jesus. And he gives us the grace and he gives us the power to grow with each other. Have a look at your family. Have a look at your marriage. Are there people in your family, even in your own household, that poke you with their spikes as you get close to them? It can happen. It can happen. We run in the opposite direction. And in the same way as believers, as we get closer to one another, as we engage further in life groups, as we get to know one another, we're going to see some of the pitfalls and the flaws in, in each other. But that's okay. It points to the grace of God that He loves us in spite of us, in spite of our flaws, our insufficiencies, our inadequacies. His grace covers. His love moves beyond. And that's why Jesus is the center of His church. In Ephesians chapter 4, this is what it says. Verse 1 to 6, I'll read. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility, not some humility, all humility. Oh, that word is a tough one. Arrogance and pride at times in the room. Yeah, whoever hasn't put their hand up, you're too proud or arrogant to admit it. All humility and gentleness with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. New Living Translation says, make every effort. Maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, there is one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So God blesses us. Have a look at that right there. That when Paul writes to a group of Christians and he's saying, guys, it's going to take humility. It's going to take gentleness. It involves peace. B 
bearing with one another. Oh my. But it also points the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And as we are one, we already are one, we've also got to make every effort to deepen in that oneness. How do we do it? Around Jesus. Are you picking up on that point so far? Okay. So how does God bless? How are we blessed in this unity? As we grow in unity, as we deepen this sense of unity and this oneness, as it gets deeper and deeper in Jesus, it takes effort. It takes more than just showing up, though showing up is a good part of it. How does he do it? Well, I want to identify three, three areas today where God blesses us as we prioritize unity. The first thing is reflection and participation. Reflection and participation. So what happens as we deepen our unity is reveals Jesus to us through us. You know that, don't you? That when we get together around Jesus, the person in the presence of Jesus, we see an aspect of God. We see an aspect of Him as we look at each other. I need you to help inform my perspective of Jesus. When I look around, I can see the power of Jesus in some of you, the compassion of Jesus in another, the mercy of Jesus in another, the, the love of Jesus in another, the joy of Jesus in another, the peace of Jesus in another. I need you to help me see the goodness of Jesus in an increasing measure. I need you. So in some way, you reflect the person and the presence of Jesus to me. That's one great reason that I am blessed. He blesses me through that revelation. But He also blesses me not just by reflection. Participation in what? Well, have a think about this. Community. We are a community of people. We are created from a community of persons. The Father and the Son, by the bond of the Spirit, existed before anyone else existed. Before the world was created, the Father loved the Son and had eternal communication expressing joy and peace with the Son by the bond of the Holy Spirit. And they decided together to create mankind in His own image. Our desire for community comes from a community. Let's check out what Jesus says in the high priestly prayer. John chapter 17 says this. I'm going to go from verse 20. I'll go through to 26. I don't ask for these only. This is Jesus praying. It's a great, powerful prayer, this one. I don't ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Who's he, those who will believe. Who, who's he praying for? He's praying for us. Jesus, 2,000 years ago, was praying for you. How comforting. If you want anyone to pray for you, it's Jesus. Isn't that cool? Jesus prayed for me 2,000 years ago. Yes. That they may all, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So our unity and our oneness is a witness to the world. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. 
Father, I desire given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because, why? Because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world doesn't know you, I know you. And these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved I in them. This is what's really interesting. Jesus is praying for you and for me that we would be one. Just as the Son is in the Father and the Father is in the Son, we are in Jesus and He is in us. And we are participating, we are joining in with an eternal reality. Actually, what's happening? We are hidden with Christ in God. This, this, this might be hard for our, 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 our confined minds to wrap our head around it, but we are community. We are created from community, for community. We now, with Jesus in us, we together in this community, God's church, we are participating with God in an eternal reality. That is so cool. The Father, let's think about this for a second. Can I turn this piano on, Pete? The, the Father, the Son, and the, and the Spirit, they are distinct. They are different. They are unique persons, but they are one. And he wants the same for us. That's one key. That's another key. There's another key. And together they form a chord. That's a C major. C, E, G. Different, unique distinct but together that's a beautiful chord that's how the trinity works they're different they're distinct but together they are one they are god we are distinct and different but together we are one and together we make some beautiful music it reminds me of my three daughters grace esther and hope boy do they make some beautiful music together <laughs> not quite so i got up yesterday morning i'm seeing coco pops all in the lounge room and then they're putting makeup on and nail polish on. They had their cousin Saffron over. I'm walking into the room going, oh, man, there's a lot of young girls in this room right now. I took a video of them. I put it on my social media. And they said, oh, Dad, you're next. You're, well, no, you're not. And they pleaded with me after I left the room, please, Dad, please. That's not going to be. Oh, I, got a ther- I need to see a therapist. When we get together with our different songs, our different perspectives, our different experiences during the week, and we get together as God's church gets together, and we choose to lift Him up, not ourselves. We make beautiful music to Him. Because the church is about His glory, not the audience is not here. The audience is above. And we're here to look to Jesus and celebrate Jesus and let His grace flow. Physical presence, there's something powerful about the physical presence and corporate worship. Your presence with someone. We just heard before about COVID. It's kind of the world don't get to experience what we do. 
when we were not allowed to assemble together. We were told we cannot assemble together. It was kind of novel at first, but for me, it got, I got over it pretty quick. Why? Because I miss celebrating Jesus with others. I miss hearing the preaching of the word with others. I miss the sharing of the testimony in person with others. I can get that online. Not the best. God designed us for interaction, for presence. Think about kids when they're born. When babies are born, the first thing they do is they look to the face. We are wired for interrelationships. That's how God created us. There is a yearning inside every one of God's kids to see God face to face. Move beyond what he does, and that's good, but move to his face, which is who he is. And the beauty is we get to gaze together on the face of God. That's what we get to do. I can do that from my armchair by myself, and that's good, but it's not the same as getting together with you. So unity is about a gathering together, but it's also about a dwelling with one another. It's getting into each other's lives a little bit more. I experienced this in the mornings. One of the up, I drag my feet out of bed, I'll flick the kettle on, and I'll go plonk myself down in my room and I'll put some music on. And I'll just start the day appreciating Jesus and thanking him. And, and I I found myself over recent months putting on YouTube videos of people worshipping the same songs that I was listening to. And I started asking myself, why is that? Why is it that I'd just like to And it's actually not. There is something I found out in me that, that gets lifted when I see other people worshipping at the same time. Something in me lifts as I'm worshipping God and I see other people worshipping in a collective community. That speaks to my soul. When I see you worship and encounter Jesus, it does something for me. It feeds a need that God has put in there for community and relationship. And So if the first thing is reflection and participation, which importantly comes from identification with Christ, that's the first step. The second thing is demonstration and proclamation. What does that mean? That means the Holy Spirit as we get together, delights in the demonstration of His power and causes us for a proclamation of Christ as King. Let's go to Acts chapter 2. I'm going to read the first four verses there. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together. They were all. Everyone say all. They were all, and the next word is together. Say together. All right, they weren't separated. They were just together. That's all they were doing. They were all together. And they were in many places. No, they were in one place. And suddenly, I love the suddenlies of the Bible, suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. When, what were the believers doing? They were just together in one place. God blesses 
unity. It says they were sitting. They were just waiting together. I want you to understand something here. This is really important. To have a supernatural encounter with God, it doesn't need to be as hard as what we make it out to be. You don't need to fast for 21 days and go to a mountaintop. Visit you in your car as you're driving. Has it ever happened to you before? <laughs> That's happened to me sometimes. All of a sudden, a touch of God comes as I'm driving. I'm, I'm, I've got tears down my face, snot dripping down my nose. <laughs> I love you, Jesus. I can't see. I'm going to pull over. What's happening here? People are looking at me funny. The Holy Spirit could just come on you in a moment. These people were just waiting together. Together. They were just waiting. And the blessing came. How did the blessing come? They were together. The demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, can't the Holy Spirit show up and demonstrate His power when I'm by myself? Of course He can. But He really delights when we're together. He especially delights when we're together. And when we're together, what those signs and those wonders do is they cause us to proclaim Jesus as King. Think about what's been happening in our church making over the last number of months specific endeavor to highlight the power of God. And I was thinking this last Sunday, legitimately thinking this, man, I, I feel like I don't want to miss out on any Sunday now because I want to hear what God is doing in the lives of people. I'm actually thinking, wow, I don't want to miss out what's going to happen next Sunday. I don't know what's going to happen. I, that's how the Holy Spirit rocks up. That's how He demonstrates His power. When we get together, we see things like that. We see salvation. Transformation. We can also see joy come upon someone or even upon a collective. We see a sense of peace that can come. Sometimes it'll be as simple as a holy hush. Have you ever been in a meeting? It doesn't have to be a meeting of 150, 200 people. It could be a meeting of two or three. And all of a sudden there's a holy hush. And there's no felt need to have to say anything or do anything. But you just have a sense have you ever been in one of those moments? I love those moments. Just be still and know that I'm God. I love those moments. For me, they're just as powerful as the loud ones. And God delights to show up in those moments. Bill, can I get you to get up, please? I, I want to talk about what God has done in my friend Bill. Bill, would you come up, please? It was a couple of years ago in this community uh, to just share a challenge he was experiencing medically. And um, as a community, we got around because that's one great benefit, one great blessing of church community is we get around each other. And um, Bill, why don't you share a bit? Uh, um, uh, what was it about? August, September 2018. To August, September 2018, the neurologist, because my blood test showed that uh, the prostate could, they might be having prostate problems, and I, they, uh, the specialist ordered an MRI, and the MRI scan image showed two distinct uh, outlines of two distinct tumors in, inside the prostate. Well, the uh, specialist then said, uh, they're not very big, but we need to do a biopsy. So the, in October, about 16th, they, they did, no, October 2018, they did a biopsy, and in October 2018, I got a diagnosis that there was one small uh, tumour was malignant, but uh, first stage and not a pr problem, and there was one small tumour that was 
Still first stage, but it was level four and three, and re strongly, strongly recommended radiation treatment, and uh, referred me to a specialist, uh, cancerologist at Charles Gardner, who read me the right act and told me about um, chemotherapy and hormone uh, therapy and chemical castration and all the things that could happen if I delayed treatment and scared the, tried to, try, deliberately tried to scare the daylights out of me. But I had an assurance from God that he wanted to heal me and I said, well, let's wait and see. And uh, I waited and, and uh, it, was a, it was a scary faith journey. It took two years. The last... M, uh, then... 18 months, but, uh, Emma, uh, 18 months, and uh, the uh, the first stage, of, the first step of, of manifest improvement was when I went for a uh, January 2019. I went for a cruise to New Zealand with my wife and granddaughter, and I noticed when I got back that uh, didn't have problems urinating, which I pre had for several years before then a blood test and it was way going down and down and down. So I said, okay, let's keep waiting. The uh, cancer specialist at Charles Gardner was very unhappy indeed and uh, tried to scare me into treatment. And I, and I had, a, I don't, look, I don't, if, if I'm not against uh, tr treatment and, and, and I'm not telling anybody else not to have treatment, but I had an assurance from God and I'm, I, and I wasn't silly. I did blood every two weeks. Just to make, and, and I said, look, if, if the blood test goes all up again like this, I'll have to give in and have treatment. But it kept on going. For all of 2019, blood tests were low. Blood tests were low scores, low scores, low scores. Early this year, I went to the specialist and said, it's 18 months since I had an MRI or a biopsy. Can I have another bi biopsy? And he said, okay, we'll give you... He looked for the, for the more dangerous of the two tumours. He couldn't find it. <laughs> then he said, yes, but there's another tumour that's a bit less dangerous. We'll need to keep watching. Uh, watch and see, get some more blood tests, and we'll come back in September. So I went back in September. The blood tests were still not alarming. He said, okay, we're well, not going to do another biopsy, but we'll do, a, we'll do a, a, another MRI scan. Well, on September 25th uh, this year... I had a, and then I waited a month, didn't hear from the specialist. I said, what's going on? Maybe he's not, maybe no news is good news. So I rang his office and he said, oh yeah, well, he'll ring you back, he'll call you back. Waited another two weeks. I called the office and then the specialist rang me back the same day and he said, well, I'm looking at the scan. It looks pretty bland to me. I can't see anything. <laughs> and then I got, I got this so report. He's, he's healed. So there were two malignant cancers, were there? Yeah, there were. There were. There was. There was. There was two malignant cancers. They detected the first biopsy, and the second biopsy, the the, the worst, uh, the, the 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 more serious one, which was predominantly level four, uh, was um, nowhere to be found. Uh, but there was another one that was predominantly level three. It was 40% level four and partly level three. And he said, we are, well, it's not urgent at the moment. We'll keep, it was February this year. And, uh, and then in September this year, the um, MRI scan, well, the first biopsy, the first MRI scan it's in September 2018, you could clearly see two outlines of two tumors and the specialist yeah. showed me. This time, nothing.
So, how good is that? So, before you get down, I just want to get some... Now, I'm a man of faith, but I'm a... And so, a couple of things. When Bill uh, uh, wrote me uh, uh, just a few weeks back, I said, this sounds really promising. Can you detail this and give me, all the, give me a timeline? I said, I want some medical uh, documentation. And so, uh, I'm... I'm I'm not going to read through the full thing, but I'm just going just to read through the highlight of it. sentences. I, so this is from the doctor, the imaging doctor, and he's shown me the MRI scans, which is too... I was going to, wanting to show it on the screens, but it's too complicated. Um, there is clinical details, there's technique, there's findings, and ultimately the conclusion, no sinister features identified. No sinister, no sinister. No sinister features identified. No significant abnormalities correlating with the areas identified on previous biopsy. It's gone. Two malignant tumours have gone. I, I, we, 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 I remember Bill just with oil and the PSA count. It, where did it start off? At about four or something? Okay, it's, when, I was, when I was diagnosed, it was about 4.7. Then after the first biopsy, it went up to eight. Eight, yeah. And I thought God was just telling me, don't worry, you're going to be healed. And I thought it went up to eight. So I... Went back to see the I went back to see the radiology uh, the radiology specialist at Charles Gardner and was about to give in and get treatment and he, he booked me in for end of January 2019 but every I was pretty nervous and I went for more the blood tests and went down to for, from eight to six to five point six to five point three to four point five and uh, when I got back from the uh, and it, uh, when I got back from the uh, uh, cruised to New Zealand in January, I, I changed my mind and I said, look, the blood test is coming down, 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 down. The, the problems urinating have disappeared. I, I, I believe God is healing. And I told the radiology specialist, sorry, we're way happy. <laughs> so how good is God? Well, let's put our hands together for God. Bill Winnethan. And you know what, Bill? Bill just, Bill just trusted God the whole way. Trusted God the whole way. And it was faith. In church community, there is a demonstration which leads to a proclamation. This is not us. This is God. This is the power of God. And this is one great way that he blesses. We get together and we gather around him. So the final thing then is, what else happens? How else are we blessed? Through inspiration and provocation. Let, let, let's go to that story. We are inspired by what God did right there. And what does it do? It provokes us to a greater reality, to a greater faith. Hang on, if God did that for you, then he can do that for me. In Encounter Prayer recently, we we're praying for Chris, who's just, and we said this, if God can do this for Bill, he can do this for Chris. And so what we do is we stand in faith together as a church community for what God is going to do in Chris's life, what God is going to do in Chris's life. We thank you, Father, for that healing to come in Jesus' name. I was talking to Enelian just before Enelian and, and Diard. I asked Enelian if I could have uh, just an opportunity to share some of her story. Has uh, been given some information about a doctor, concerns about her hormone level. She's really wanted to fall pregnant, and particularly by the age of 40. And she's currently 39. I didn't believe it when you told me. She looks young, doesn't she, Colleen? She looks about 29, doesn't she? Very young. So, Enlian was just sharing that hormone levels weren't good. They were, 
uh, early menopause onset, which means that they couldn't fall pregnant. Well, Annalyn just, I remember, just asked for a few of us to pray, and we prayed, anointed with oil, and have a guess what? She's due. One month before her 40th birthday. She's 10 weeks pregnant now. Now, if I'm not living in the reality of oneness and unity in the family of God, and I'm upset with the church, and the church isn't doing it the right way, they're not practicing a biblical model of church. As a footnote, if that's what you think, fine. Meet together with other believers every morning. Before you get up, go and pray with other believers every morning. Just like it says in Acts. And if you also think that, I'll tell you what. Give away all of your possessions and then you own nothing. Do that too. It's amazing how we get on our hobby horse sometimes. But if I'm over here by myself, complaining about the, and looking at man rather than Jesus, looking at imperfection rather than his perfection, I'm going to miss out on the opportunity to stand with other believers and celebrate. So we see the demonstration of the power of God. We can see the proclamation of Christ as King. But what does that do? That brings about an inspiration in us. It inspires us that God is amazing. And it provokes us to greater things. Check out at Hebrews chapter 10. We know this. Verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of wavering. Oh, if there was ever a time that the church needed to hear this message, it's now without wavering. We've got to grow a spine, church. Come on. Without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another. How many people here like to stir up others? Yes. Not me. I'm innocent. Stir up one another. To, King James Version says to provoke one another for love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together. Some of us need to underline that. Never neglect meeting together. You might go through a season in your life in 5 or 10 or 20 years and you think, oh, it's going to be easier to, to not meet. No, don't do that. Don't neglect. Don't neglect meeting together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the day drawing near. When we get together, when the church gathers and we gaze upon the beauty and the perfection of Jesus, He blesses us. He blesses us beyond ourselves. He points us to a greater reality and he provokes us to live in a realm of faith that we may not experience by ourselves. Think about COVID again. But I'm here to tell you the enemy is using that to provoke fear and not love. The enemy is using that to provoke separation and segregation and isolation and not togetherness. And we've got to be smarter than that. The Holy Spirit brings us together. We stand around the person and the presence and the power of Jesus. Do not let fear run your life. Whatever comes, whatever oppression, whatever reason, whatever virus, it doesn't matter. Don't let fear determine your faith. Don't let it sway you. Stand in Jesus. And notice what the enemy is trying to do, trying to separate us, pick us off. Because if we're isolated, we're easier prey. But when we're together, we're better. When we're together, we're stronger. When we're together, we're unified. Can you imagine an army corps? And, and on the field, the troops are all separated. And you go in at least, you go in pairs, you go in groups, you go in corps, you travel together. Because there is strength in numbers. 
when you struggle, when you're disappointed, when you're depressed, when you're anxious, when you're hurt, when you're offended, if and when those things happen to you, do not isolate yourself. Your flesh will cause you to do that. Your flesh will want you to go and run and hide. Don't give in. Because that's where Satan can come and he's got trials, the traps of the evil one. He'll try to pick you off and take you out. Remember the importance of togetherness. We are blessed with each other. When I was waiting on God, just as we finish, I just had this word in my heart from I believe the Holy Spirit. And He does miraculous things. Christ is King and He does miraculous things. And what I want to do just as we finish, can I have the whole band up please? I want us to wait on the Holy Spirit. And I want us to have faith again in the miraculous. I don't know what the miracle is, perhaps in your heart or in your life that that you need a breakthrough. But I'm telling you, Christ is King and He does miraculous things. Jesus as King is not some tame baby sitting in a manger. He's victorious. He's overcome sin and Satan and hell and death. And I'm here to tell you, if you don't yet know Jesus personally, powerfully, if you don't know Him, Lay down that rebellion. Lay down that selfishness. Lay down that sin. You don't need that anymore. And say yes to Jesus. Proclaim proclaim Him as King over your life. Accept what He's done for you on that cross a couple of thousand years ago. Receive forgiveness. That's the greatest miracle of all. Would you stand with me, please, just as we finish? invite the Holy Spirit now to just just minister to us. What does that look like? What does that feel like? Well, we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come just in the next couple of minutes. We're going to say, Holy Spirit, up in my heart, where I need you to do a miracle. I need you to do a miracle. See, we've heard about a couple of miracles just today. A couple of malignant tumors gone. An answer to prayer through a baby. Think about all He's done. He's not going to stop. He does good things. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.